And we're back, Mose. What's going on? How was the weekend, man? Not too much. It was it was quiet because all my friends were out of town, so there wasn't a whole lot to do in Thunder Bay. What about yours? A lot more loud. Toronto is actually opening up. Went to a first patio. Whoa! Hangout Saturday was fun, but uh, yeah, everything seems to be coming back to normal, and like people are doing more work and stuff. So, as in like creative stuff. So I'm pretty exciting. Excited. I think it's coming back. Like. One of my big clients, the GTHL, my favorite client for sure. Uh, they're actually going to release their like back to hockey statement soon in the next couple of weeks. So hopefully that Whoa. leads to some work and whatnot. And and minor just, hockey like, insider Will Jerzinski. Oh yeah, well they post that online. <laughs> like it's Sorry. not like I'm like Sorry. special. Sorry. <laughs> it's on their Instagram. Anyone can see it. But yeah, I'm excited. Hopefully, hopefully it comes back like when it's supposed to like October, like late September. But what really is hurting my soul is the fact that it's August, pretty much summer's done. And like, if we were to rewind to like when we were hanging out in March, like this felt like an eternity away, especially when the COVID drop happened. I say like it's some big like drip, drip world drop. No, when COVID shut down the world, I was like, what is August going to be like? Like it felt like a year away, you know? And now it's here, and it's going to be gone, and then the weather's going to suck soon. So, I mean, not not great looking up around the corner, but hey, we're going to get through it. We're going to pod. Well, when do you think you're going to be, if ever, moving back to Toronto? This is a big question. I don't know. I keep So I get this question a lot from people in Thunder Bay because I've lived there for the past like four years, and I didn't come back for summers. So they just kind of assumed that I was living in Toronto full time, which I was. Um, but honestly, I don't know, like there's no real point for me until stuff really starts opening up. Um, and like, it's been nice to live at home. You you forget like having fresh meals cooked for you, eating good food, all of it kind of adds up that you don't, you don't realize when you're, you're living on your own. So I don't know. It's a, it's a big question. We, uh, originally I feel like we had talked about coming back in September, but then that got pushed back. And now I feel like most people are talking about January. Um, so I don't know. I think a lot can happen between now and then. Ah, we'll figure it out, man. But uh, there's something you texted me. You're like, I want to tell, I want to ask you about this. Like, what was, what do you want to, what do you want to buzz about? Yeah. I want to talk about uh, the kickoff meeting. So when you find a new client, um, eventually you're going to get on the phone with them and, this is another thing that I guess we kind of brushed over in school. Like there's not great education on it. So I just want to kind of run through what that looks like for you and some stuff that you, uh, that you look for. Um, so let's say that I'm a client, I'm a hockey gym and I'm looking for some videos and I jump on the phone and I say, Hey, well, I'm looking for videos. Where do you, where does that conversation go from there for you? Well, everything I'm about to say is unoriginal. And completely stolen from Christo, who's like the best, the best follow I've ever had for like understanding like the creative world and like business on that end, you know, getting like helping people think is what his like mantra is when it comes to that like first client meeting. So it's like, let's like figure out exactly what you need, why you need it. Why do you need me to do it? There's a bunch of other videographers. You probably had one or the other. Like, what happened? Let's hear your story. And uh, ultimately, learn how, like, where it's going to go. Where, 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 are you gonna, where, where are you posting it, you know? So, 
those are kind of the big questions. And then when they're answering those questions, I start to ask like, you know, just try and like dig. Cause I feel like people are really vague and you kind of want to say like, what do you mean by that? Like, why do you say that? Or like, do you have any exam? Big one I love to say is like, do you have any examples of stuff you want to do? So like, I can look at like where your vision is, uh, from where it's coming from. Um, but one thing recently I'm doing, so a guy reached out to me on Instagram and he wants to do a music video. So this is like my first ever, no, third ever music video. I have these rap, these diss tracks I did with um, a couple of friends of mine. We made two music videos for that. They're terrible. But anyways, this is my first like pro music video. And I was like, you know what? I should probably like do a treatment. I should make a mood board. And I found talking to the client about it with the mood board it's like smooth sailing like they get it just by looking at pictures and like a couple words Mm -hmm. so one thing i think moving forward when it comes to that first client meeting is or even the second or just cooperating with a client is showing them imagery of what you want to do or what you think they want to do if that makes sense that's huge and i think uh uh, treatments and mood boards and style frames, depending on kind of where you're coming from. Um, anytime that you can give the client a visual idea of what you you're thinking, I think that's a win. Um, well, because words can't explain, like there's that cliche saying, it's like a picture tell picture says a thousand words. Mm -hmm. I think it's a saying, and it's like, it's so true when you're trying to explain what you want to do. There's so many times I would try to explain to you, I want this thing with here and there. And you're like, you're just nodding your head like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. hear you, but I don't understand. But you don't get it. Even yeah. though if I did it or I showed you or I drew it or something, you would get it right away. Absolutely. So like, I think it's trying to like bridge that gap in communication. Like yeah. how do we, how do I get your idea and my idea easily transferred to each other's head? On the same page. Yeah. I think that what you're really speaking to is alignment. And I think a lot of times it's really hard to get there if when you go into a client meeting, you're like, I need this client because I need this money. So there's obviously like a hamster wheel effect there. Um, But the biggest thing that I've taken away from you and just seeing you deal with clients is that you really have to come in with the perspective of um, asking a lot of questions, not trying to sell too hard uh, and really understanding if it's a good fit. Because a lot of times the fit isn't there and I feel like people force it because they want that money or like they need that client to keep going. Yeah. You said Selly, like that's the biggest one, but that's the biggest thing you have to figure out. I think, um, what oftentimes it's hard to like not sound Selly or control that Selly, um, like tone when you don't have plenty, like you don't have options. You don't have a lot of work. You haven't done a lot. Maybe like you're just starting out or you're in between starting out and being an intermediate, uh, so going from that perspective into a meeting where you're where you're like I need work I need money how do you like control that that tone I get it's I don't know I feel like you just have to have the confidence and almost like the balls to just like act like you're something you're not yet you know put yourself in your future self's space you know True. It's, I know that we both watched the future. You said earlier how much, um, how helpful it's been as a resource. And one of the things that they the talk best. about a lot is that um, if you don't have a lot of experience working with clients, then a really great way to get those reps in is to uh, role play with friends and have a friend or a peer 
act like a really tough client and force you to have those conversations because really at the end of the day, I think it is it comes back to how how many reps you have, how comfortable you are selling yourself as a uh, as a creative person. Yeah, like the practice definitely helps. You know, I haven't really done that. I guess we've done it actually maybe once, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It's a, it's different. Like it it's it helps you think and like formulate thoughts and like you're kind of put on the spot. But there's nothing more nerve wracking when you're like sitting in front of the client. They're looking at us like, oh, like what do you do? Like what can you do for me? Or like how much do you cost? And you're like, uh, it's it's there's no way through that. There's no way to get to the good spot of being really good at client negotiation. The only way to do that is just running through the wall. There's no good. There's no like way besides this definitely like, goes back to a quote a that mistake. i've we're talking over each other again i love this That's um, great. this this goes back to a quote that i read recently and it's it basically said um like how successful you're going to be whether you're in the creative field or you're doing something else comes back to not how well you deal with success but how well you can you can deal with obstacles and challenges and i think that uh, going back to kind of this overarching theme that we've talked about in the podcast so far, there are so many skills outside of just doing the work that you kind of have to acclimate yourself to. And dealing with clients is probably number one up there. I think it's, it's well, it's like what we talked about last episode, merging creative with business. Like acquaint yourself with the world of business. And that doesn't mean like, oh, this is how much I'm worth. And like, this is how I invoice and how you make ads. It's also like service. Like how do you talk to people or how do you make sure they're happy and you're happy? Cause I don't think they can be happy really until you're happy, you know, or relatively happy. So another thing that I like to think about, yeah. Um, another thing that I like to think about, um, is what you're doing before, the, the client meeting, what you're doing before the sale, what you're doing before someone even reaches out because I think there's a, a really great opportunity right now at least where everyone has a little bit more extra time to really work on the portfolio and um, more than just having your work online. I think that um, we're moving into a freelance workforce where everyone's becoming more specialized. So you're not looking for, if I'm a client, I'm not looking for a general videographer um, if I'm in sports, I want somebody that d- has done action sports, has done the sport that that we're involved in. Um, so the kind of overarching point that I want to get to here is that um, before the client even picks up the phone, if you've done a really great job of presenting your work and kind of explaining your thought process and why you made creative decisions, because a lot of times, right, creative people love to kind of hang out in obscurity and um, they have a process that works for them, but they don't really publicize that and they don't really share the decision-making process that they went through to get to the final creative solution. Um, and so if you can put that in the form of an article or maybe, you know, if you do video, making a video kind of explaining what you do and, and why you've chosen to specialize and kind of what you bring to the table before you actually get on the call, I think that you're miles ahead of the competition. Yeah, I think having... I, th- I watched this, I, I did that two free months of Skillshare and I watched this guy talking about like how to get clients and whatnot. This is like near the beginning of my journey. And he was like, you, everyone talks about having like your social media as your portfolio and then you also have a website. But he was like, your Instagram or your Twitter should all be BTS and then your website's the finished product that are like your best pieces. And he said, the reason why you want the BTS is exactly what you were saying is the client sees your work on your website. They go, wow, like this is incredible. 
then they go on your social and they get a glimpse into like what they're going to see in your relationship because your relationship is not the finished product your relationships in the cutting room it's 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 in the computer lab or whatever it's they want to see what it takes and what what's going on and if you can let them in on that world i think they feel more comfortable like oh he is legit he does do this every day or every week or whatever there is so much merit in sharing behind the scenes that i think will help you land that client or even better I think it will help you in the meeting to describe things that you're going to be doing because you're already writing about them and articulating your thoughts through your process. And when you, you know, actually get it out of your head and write or you speak or maybe you just take pictures, at least you're getting those things you think in your head out and you're thinking about how you how do you formulate them in writing and it, to, to where it makes sense for someone who's going to read it. And when you do that, you're teaching yourself, you're reinforcing those ideas in your own head and then in turn, that's going to make that meeting much more smoother because you've already had the reps posting online. Absolutely. Um, I think that we we just stopped working. Well, not stop. We're kind of in a, hiata- a hiatus. We were working on a client um, who's trying to launch a video game. And this is, we. I guess we started working before COVID, but we really started ramping up to production and, and building assets probably in April we started. And I think that it really showed me the importance of of writing as a skill because you know you can get on zoom you can have video chats you can have telephone calls but ultimately i think that when you are in the production phase whether you're a videographer or designer you really have to cultivate some space to kind of take yourself away from the project and really write out what's going on like if you're stuck somewhere right where you're stuck the steps before you got stuck um, and ultimately at the start of a project i think that um, writing writing pays dividends to get people aligned and to get people on the same page, which is something that we talked about with um, with the client call. But I think maintenance almost and having a document that people can refer to you and come back to. What are the goals? You know, what are what's the scope of the project? What are the deadlines? Um, if you have a living document that kind of has all of the in there, I think that it makes the process go so much smoother. And as a creative one of the things that I've definitely struggled with and I'm, I'm trying to build on right now um, is, is communicating with clients because it definitely isn't a natural skill for me. So I think I kind of offset some of, the, uh, some of the challenge there by putting my thinking into writing. And that's been super important for me. And it's definitely showed me on the last project that you kind of have to be, you have to be able to communicate in a bunch of different ways. And writing is definitely an important one of those. Yeah, and that, that's probably my, my weakest skill is, is writing because... I'm going to draw an example. So yesterday I, I did a little shoot and uh, I did plan it pretty extensively. Like I had the song picked out, like I had a shot list. I had a sequence in my mind. I knew the location. I've been to the location. I had all the gear planned out. I knew how I wanted to light it. Like I had video examples of what I wanted to do. And we show up yesterday to the place and like all of a sudden I kind of freeze. I'm like, Oh my God. And I didn't expect a lot of like difficulties we ran into. Like we had to take all this tape off the mats on the ground. We had to like move all these like boxes and bags and stuff. So that kind of took me out of the creative process and like try to figure out how do I like keep all this stuff out of the shot and just have this gym. So the video was supposed to be like an MMA workout, a lot of like bag work and stuff and jujitsu. 
And I get there, I'm like, I thought I planned everything perfectly, but when I'm looking at my notes, I'm like, this isn't like articulated well enough where I was a surgical producer, like where I said, okay, we're going to start here. We're going to shoot this. Like I didn't plan in my head, like what's the first thing we're going to shoot? What's the second, third, fourth, all the way down to the point where we could have been out there and like out of there in like two hours. But what happened was I got there, I was looking at my notes. I'm like, this is kind of like a blender of ideas rather than like a structured regimented set of ideas. So, I mean, personally, I need to work on that Mm -hmm. because well, I was there for like four hours with this guy, almost five. And it's like, that's way too long to be shooting like a 30 second video, in my opinion. And for what we, for the scale of the project we had, it was way, it took way too long. So that's something that I feel like what was good about Ryerson is they kept us in those like academic courses where you have to write, like you have to learn how to articulate your thought. And it's probably the most undervalued skill in the creative space. Absolutely. So I don't know, I need to start training that more, I guess, you know, get yeah. a little Dave Perel action. I think it comes with consistency more than anything. Um, I was thinking about this today, about the importance of consistency. Um, and for me, what that means with writing is that um, writing really helps me separate the production phase from that work before where you're prepping everything. Let's say you were on that shoot, um, you write out everything that you have to do, what kind of shots you're going to get and really having a process for getting in and getting out. Um, and then after the project, I think writing's also super valuable because you can take what you've done and then you can have that, that prep sheet before and look at all the expectations that you had. You can look at what came out of those expectations. You have a product that you can look at. And then after, I think it's really important to review where you were at, kind of check your assumptions, see where things didn't add up. And that's really an important step to, uh, to growing as a, as a creator. How about growing as a, as a goddamn person. That's like, true. I mean, shouldn't you, always, disciples. shouldn't you always reflect on like, oh, like this negative thing happened. And like, it's like kind of like the third time this week it's happened. Like, what is that? And like, how do I, like, why did it happen? How do we get rid of it? You know? And like those little negative things can like build up over time into big things or, or maybe they are big things on their own. And it's like, maybe you feel like your whole life has had this issue, whatever it is, has been there. It's like, let's, reflect see how we can like get rid of it or mitigate it or manage it if it's something you can't get rid of you just have to manage you know and like writing is the ultimate tool and people say like they have insomnia and stuff and a friend of mine was telling me like oh it's like if you can't sleep a good thing to do is just like write like write like what you're going to do tomorrow like plan your day the next day or like it doesn't have to be on the computer it can just be on a piece of paper if you feel like the screen's going to keep you up but planning the next day or reflecting on your day that just passed, like that will tire you out. Like you're thinking in your head, like as you're right, you have all these ideas of your day or the next day in your head and having to formulate them in sentences and structure them. So it makes sense when you want to read it again. It's really hard. And so important. It's challenging. But you just sleep. But reading a book. It's like those, if I can schedule 10 minutes, one time in the morning and then one time at night where I'm thinking about my day, I think that really sets me on a on a path where that I can I can really achieve something that day. Whereas if you don't, I'm definitely one of those people that I kind of go with the flow. I'm, yeah, like we said, you know, one wake of these, up. The, the, the wind test, <laughs> the wind test, like a sailor. Where's the what wind am I going to do today? Oh, okay, guys. Yeah, we'll go over there. Yeah, but it's it's so so on the one hand, like that that kind of personality function of myself, it it really helps with work. Whereas 
um, with somebody like you, I think you're you're definitely more process oriented where you sit down and do something and you're like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is point A and this is where I want to go to. That's point B and I'm going to spend some time figuring that out. Whereas I sit down on a project and I'm, I, I try to think sideways almost. That's the best way that I can describe it where I want to consider every possible angle and every, every, um, every kind of decision through the lens of I'm here to explore and I think that that can help me arrive at some really interesting places but on the flip side I've also noticed that it's not great when I'm when I'm kind of scattered and I, I haven't planned my day out because the consequence of that is that oftentimes I find that I can get lost and that's that's really been magnified by by COVID because we had talked about in the previous episode how you can have these pillars in your life, whether it's the gym or a consistent creative routine. And if you do that daily, it just becomes uh, becomes a habit and, and it's almost second nature to just sit down at your computer and work. Whereas I think COVID has really disrupted those routines. So I think now more than ever, I've, I've really returned to that one. I have a notebook that I keep um, and it's really like just one small piece of paper in the morning and then... I go through my day and then at night I, I take a look at that again and I, I feel like it's really insightful for looking at gaps in your day and and really just like I try to think about what's the most important thing that I can do today and try to do it and then at the end of the day I, I revisit that question because obviously there's a bunch of stuff that's come up and I find that consistently what I think is the most important question of the day when I ask myself in the morning ends up not being that because I haven't thought about something. So I really catch lazy thinking. I catch me being impulsive and I catch bad decisions by having that consistent writing practice. And it sounds a lot like you're talking a bit about, this is kind of a joke, but guarding your time. Yeah. You, so <laughs> this is a big joke between us like oh you got to guard your time like don't let anyone in like don't have like like all these sounds like, so impersonal like these guys like <laughs> sounds like Ferris. i hate people yeah well i i actually think some some of these people that are like hyper successful i wonder if they do dislike people to a certain extent like they don't like hanging out and and buzzing all the time like they like to keep that like two hours a week you know I'll, or like two hours like a day maybe i'll see people you know yeah i wonder but, how much of that is toxic thinking versus actual like that's a good way to think it's a healthy way to think like you're you got to protect your time so you can get the things that you want to get done done so you got to cut you got to think like, people are trying to pull you out of that you got to cut those people out here's here's my perspective on it because i've thought about this a lot and on one hand yes if you if you say i'm going to guard my time and somebody else kind of catch that in public they're going to look at you like you're a psycho um but here's where I kind of come on into it. So if I've done the work in the morning and I'm like, okay, I need to get this done today because I have a deadline because people are expecting this and I don't end up getting that done and then I go hang out with people later that day, I am a bad person. I am straight up not a good person because I am thinking about whatever I was supposed to get done that day. And the only solution that I found that works consistently and it's healthy in the long term is being able to chunk out two to three hours in the afternoon and the morning to dedicate that time to finishing the most important thing that I have to do that day. Like, and you write that down? Like the Absolutely. Night, the night before you go like, I, I'm not going to have a good day unless I do this or something? Uh, yeah, well, it, I think it, it comes up most of the time when you're super like, this This was something that helped me keep sane when I was in, in school and we had a million things to do. And it's also something that I always turn to if the client work kind of picks up and I'm super busy because I, it's so easy to get lost in the the checklist that never ends and 
I'm I'm not a kind of guy that like I hate people. Like I love being social, level of going out and hanging with friends. So um, I always try to get that time in when I can, and uh, I'm not there, um, and I'm not present if I'm thinking about my work. So it's just something that's that's worked for me for sure. True. Well, yeah. I, I don't know if I like the I like the idea of guarding time. <clears throat> Excuse me. I like the idea of guarding time, but. There is an element of like, a lot of things like aren't urgent and pressing. Like it's okay to like not stress yourself out. It's okay to not meet all the expectations you have of yourself for that day. I think like we always come back to like the balance of it. It's like you don't have to be this super high performing guy all the time. Like it's, it's okay to take the week off or something. I mean, as long as you get the work done eventually, like, I don't know. I put a lot of pressure on myself for sure on like the day, the expectation of the day. And that, and whenever I do, I'm never as happy. Yeah. I, I think a lot of that actually comes from sports. Like you, me and you grew up playing hockey and, and a couple other sports. And I think, um, like, like I said earlier, like I'm not the most organized orderly person. And I found the structure of training for sports, training for hockey, very useful. And it's something that I've taken into my adult life and, and my career. Let's go back. I, I want to talk about, um, the first client meeting because we kind of got a little bit derailed. Here's, here's an unpopular thought that I think a lot of people struggle with. Um, so let's say that you're in a client meeting the client says, I want this video. You're like, okay, everything works. The details are good. And the client says, well, can you turn this around in three days? Or can you turn this around in a week? And you know, from the jump that if, if he wants it in a week, it's not going to be your best work. And for me personally, I know everyone has a different opinion on this. I only like putting out work and making work for clients that I know that I've invested everything that I could into. And so if I make a project and it's not up to the effort and the standard that I set for myself, I'm going to be disappointed. So I think a lot of people get derailed by bad deadlines um, and unrealistic expectations. So I want to talk a little bit about how do you manage the expectation for the client in a situation like that, given an unrealistic deadline? Are you the type of person that says, no, I can't really get that done that amount of time? Or kind of how would you approach that question? Well, I mean, like I would, I don't really like doing the fast turnaround thing. And if it's like, pre like most of my clients are never like, oh, we need it this day, like do or die. Sorry for reaching out so last second. That I've literally never had that, I think, ever happen. But if they ever say like, oh, how does like a week sound? Like I explained to them the process because they don't understand. They don't do it. They, they're hiring someone to do it. They have this idea of it and I'm here to like edu help, help educate them about how, how it goes down, how it works. So I just explain like how long it really takes and what it's going to look like if you rush it. And almost every time they say, I'm spending like $100 or hundreds of dollars on this, like I'm not just going to like get something that's not really good. So they'll wait. Absolutely. They always wait. But then again, I'm not working with clients that have these super harsh deadlines and will and like everything's weighing on the video to be done on that day. That hasn't happened to me. So I guess I'm not the right person to ask. No, you, you haven't gone through that experience, but that was a great answer. I think I want to kind of key in on two things. Number one um, is education. You talked about how if a client was was going to come up to you and say, okay, I need this done in a week, and you know that's a bit unrealistic, 
instead of being defensive and saying, I can't do that, I think it pays dividends to kind of walk the client through um, the process you go through for making a video or, or making a design. Because at the end of the day, I think it really comes down to um, one of the things that we always, we always talk about is that there's an asymmetry between what I know as the creative and what the business owner knows about me. Um, at the beginning of the episode, we talked about how we want to try to bridge the creative with the business. And if you flip that um, on and look, look at the problem through the business owner's lens, they're making an investment. Like you said, it's a couple hundred bucks or it's a thousand bucks or whatever. Um, but they like they have pretty limited experience if they don't come from the creative industry to know what actually goes into the product. And a lot of the time, it's not that they want to rush you. It's not that they they don't value your time and your work. It's that they just don't understand everything that goes into the process. Yeah, it's education is the number one thing to explain. You know, they they have no idea. And also, when you do educate, which kind of sounds like pretentious, like oh, listen to me, client. Like it's not like that. It's just kind of like I don't know. I guess opening up the curtains like okay this is like what it entails and like you're kind of smiling and like you you, you don't want to like baby it's just like an honest like okay like it actually takes around 20 hours to do this and here are the reasons why yep and if you're going to give me a week i have these other projects going on it's probably not going to be very good or i i literally can't get it done on time so educating is most important because you're also learning too like Chris Doe, we keep coming back to the future. He's great. Follow at Chris Doe for like the best Instagram stuff you'll ever see about business. Um, he said, one teaches to learn, right? The teacher is learning himself, you know? And I learned that first actually in jujitsu. It's like whenever you're learning moves, it's always good and you'll get better once you start teaching them to other people because then you're articulating the process out loud and in your mind you have to structure it in a way that then like it almost um enforces the grooves in your head like you know when you learn something new like there's connections in your brain and when you teach yourself those things over and over again as well as applying them like those two practice and then also teaching it you seem to get better so when i'm let's say educating a client like i'm also learning myself so it's like a win-win-win like you're you're gonna not only be able to do like get that deadline extended most likely because they'll, they'll have some understanding, but they also learn about what it takes and then they can be more, you know, empathetic to you in the future. Simultaneously, while that's happening, you're understanding the process more and getting better at the work yourself. So even if like they, I almost think it's important to educate even when they, when it's not needed. Like just explain some things as it's going on because it, it just lets them in on like people want to feel like they're in on what's going on. A lot of people, not everyone. Absolutely. Like I can imagine some clients if you're like just telling them, well, by the way, like I'm doing this to do this. Like for you, it's like, they're like, ah, shut up, dude. Like just get the job done. Obviously, there's some people that are different, but people want to be in on it. They want to they want to hear your excitement and passion. And education is a good way to show that. I think the other the other benefit of education is that um, in a client relationship, obviously all things equal, you kind of want to have equal footing in, in, you know, what decisions get approved, what don't. Um, but if you aren't anchoring yourself as an expert in what you do, I think that's really hard to get to that place because ultimately if somebody's hiring you based on price, because you are the cheapest option, um, you're effectively just a set of hands, a glorified set of hands. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that, but um, you're not going to command a premium on price and it's going to be hard to run a creative business. 
Um, and I, I just think that the client relationships aren't great when I'm a person that I hate being told what to do. Um, and I hate when, not when people get involved in the creative process, but if it's not healthy and, and the client's kind of pushing back on everything that you do, I don't think that's a productive space where you get great work out of. Whereas if you do the job up front and you're, and you try to educate and you try to your best to explain kind of where you're coming from and your experience on similar projects, I think that's where you create a relationship where the client respects you because you are an expert in what you do. And um, as a benefit, um, they kind of take a back seat. And if you, you're aligned on the project and both of you know kind of what it looks like, that's when you're going to get the free reign to really do what you do best. How do you establish that you're an expert? And that's the hardest thing because you don't want to just, you know, flex and say, oh, as an expert, this is what you do. Or as someone who's like good at this, this is what you do. Let them say that you're the expert, like show them you're the expert kind of, kind of, um, you want to, through education, show them that you're the expert. You want to like explain things in a way that's concise and sounds like you know what you're talking about. And they will then frame you as an expert. Like it's, Chris Doe talks about it a lot as well. It's like you need to somehow position yourself in a dynamic like they're the client, you're the expert, you're the solution, you're the, they're the problem and you're going to fix their problem. That's another thing with the client meeting, like you said, it's like, what's another question you have to ask? It's like, oh, like what, is there a problem you're trying to fix with this? Like, what is the problem? And sometimes it's not like an acute problem where it's an actual issue. It's, oh, I have this hockey tournament. I want a video for it because the next time I do it, I want advertisements to get more people to join the tournament. So my problem, it's not really a problem is to get more people to join. So like, okay, that's the problem. So let's make a video around getting people to join rather than making a video of like, this is cool. Cause those are two different things. I think a lot of times the highly produced stuff doesn't actually lead to leads, but rather it builds more brand. Like it's people watch the video, they see it on loop on your website or in your Instagram and they go, Oh, okay. Like that's the feeling I get, but I don't sign up for a gym because of that. I'll sign up for a hockey tournament. I'll sign up for a hockey tournament because I see there's 10 spots left. There's 10 teams per um, division and there's a cash prize for this. People are going to sign up for that. Not because they see a couple like guys who look athletic, you know, banging bodies and scoring goals. Like they want to see like reason, like value, like what's the reason they will join the tournament. So that's another thing you got to figure out with the client is like, what is their problem? And then how are you going to solve it as the filmmaker? And that's where we, we, we started this conversation by talking about questions. And if your shtick is that you're just going to pontificate and you're going to kind of explain things and you don't take the time to really understand what the client, um, where the client is and kind of what problem that needs to be solved, that's when you're going to kind of get into this territory where people just think you're, a, you're an internet marketer and you don't really know what's going on. I, I, I always believe there's more power in questions than there are in, in answers. Yeah, and also just like listening more just like talk less, like let them, it's kind of, there's a saying I've heard where, or not a saying, but a technique. If you're arguing with someone, oftentimes you just have to ask them like a simple question. Like, why do you think that? Or like, why did you say that? Or like just pretty much asking why. And as they explain to you, they start to understand their argument more and will see their own flaws, or maybe they'll see where it's strong and you'll actually get further down the path of the argument, just listening and asking questions rather than trying to enforce, like convince them with your 
point by just completely spewing it at them over and over again. Just let them explain theirs, fully understand theirs, so that then you can pick it apart and dismantle it. Let the client talk, so then you can pick the points where like you need to address what the mm-hmm. problem is. What and it comes back to reps. Like after you've done several client meetings, you kind of get better and you understand what to look for and kind of where you might get held up and, and challenged and where you have to push back. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've learned is that you really have to set reasonable expectations. Um, so we use the example of the client that asked for the work on a week turnaround, which is just, unless it's something very simple, um, it's just kind of unrealistic. Um, but if you if you know kind of the process that goes into making the work, if you have a good idea of how long that takes and, and where you might get caught up, then, I mean, it, it comes back to reps. Like, you, you'll just understand kind of in the client negotiation that these are the things to look out for, and, uh, and this is where uh, I can provide value and I can educate. And, again, like, if, if you... If you don't need that client, it's weird to say, if you don't need that client and you're not trying to force a fit, I find that a lot of times it just works out. Yeah, it's definitely sometimes the most exciting part of the gig is like getting that phone call and there's a lead and you're like, all right, time to see like what's in, what what work has to be done, how much am I going to make, who I need to hire, like how can I, you know, like there's so, it's so exciting that new lead, you know, it's probably one of the, one of my favorite things to do. Definitely more fun than editing. Oh my god, editing is just a stress <laughs> job. Holy shit! But yeah, man, the the client meeting is definitely not talked about enough. And when I go on YouTube and look at Chris Doe videos, and he has like almost a million followers on YouTube or subscribers on YouTube, and he gets like no views. Like this is the most like gold content I've ever watched on YouTube as a creative person. People don't watch it. I guess because it's not exciting and like he's not overly charismatic, but it's the best. I highly yeah. recommend him. Watch Chris Doe. I think that's, that's the biggest takeaway. If if it's something that you you're uncomfortable with, ultimately, like we said, it comes down to reps. And if you can't get those in because work is slow right now, find a friend, try to practice with them, uh, and, and start with Chris Doe because he has so much experience and so much value on this on this subject. Um, so if you search the future without an e on the end, that's the future on YouTube. Um, you can get a bunch of videos. I think he has a playlist made up uh, just sure. on, on client meetings. Such a valuable skill, and it's definitely not talked about enough. No, definitely not. Maybe one day we'll have a, I'll teach or we'll teach the client class at Ryerson. Maybe. Hilarious. Well, Mosey, that's it, man.